Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. So happy to be with you. I pray that you're well, and I pray that you are bringing your children home and teaching them at home and protecting them and coming together with a family, as a family, and praying the rosary. Every single night, Papa, that's your job to bring your family together. Not the mama's job. It's your job, Papa. We need to... um, not just restore the family, but keep it together for the survival of civilization and our own souls. Bishop Strickland is, uh, has been faithful in coming out once a week with a new letter that discusses the next topic that is being discussed in the Synod on Synodality. His first letter, um, We've, we've discussed this uh, several times now, was August 22nd, where he pointed out seven points where the Synod on Synodality uh, seems to uh, threaten the uh, Catholic faith and the dispositive faith and change the church. And so ahead of that, Bishop Strickland has put out uh, a letter each week, I think this is his fourth one now, to counter head off misinformation, uh, heretical teaching, whatever may come out of that synod. And if what comes out of that synod is what's true, this is terrific. And Bishop Strickland's letter, uh, his letters will simply affirm that. This one is dated two days ago, September 26th, and he writes, My dear sons and daughters in Christ. This is a very important letter, beloved. He says, I write to you today to discuss more fully the fourth basic truth that I spoke of in my first pastoral letter issued on August 22nd, 2023, and to ask that we reflect more deeply on this important truth of our faith. Quote, every human person is created in the image and likeness of God, male or female, and all people should be helped to discover their true identities as children of God and not supported in a disordered attempt to reject their undeniable biological and God-given identity, end quote. The reality that the human community is losing this thread of truth is one of the most surprising and devastating trends of our time. The confusion and the harm that come from forsaking our biological and God-given identity are rooted in the modern tendency tendency to deny the sovereignty of God, and for many, to deny even his very existence, thereby thereby making ourselves into gods in our own minds. This denial of the true God is demonstrated in dramatic ways as we begin to lose the thread of who we are. To answer the basic question of our identity, we must turn to God and to the truth he has revealed to us. When we attempt to answer this question of who we are without first seeking an answer from God, 
we find ourselves immersed in the chaos which we see around us today. Thankfully, God has revealed a beautiful picture of who we are, and sacred scripture and the sacred tradition of our Catholic faith offer much to help us paint the wondrous picture of the human person. Genesis says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The truth that God has created us in his own image and likeness takes us beyond the natural level to the supernatural destiny that we all share. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, quote, the human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. It is a human body precisely because it is an animated, because it is animated by a spiritual soul, and it is the whole human person that is intended to become in the body of Christ, a temple of the Spirit. In his apostolic exhortation, Christopher Daly's Laici, St. John Paul II wrote about an anthropological foundation for masculinity and femininity. He stated that this is a plan that from the beginning has been indelibly imprinted in the very being of the human person men and women, and therefore in the makeup, meaning, and deepest working of the the individual. In today's culture, Bishop Strickland continues, there is a preoccupation with one's own identity, which speaks to a deeply held longing in the heart and soul of each person to find meaning in his or her life. We try to express in some way through the physical reality of our lives, the stirrings we feel in our souls. Although there is a wide diversity of human experience, and although every life offers something unique and unrepeatable, we all share one simple, clear, and yet inconceivably profound truth. We are the beloved, which means we are in a relationship with the one who loves. This foundational truth is what actually gives our lives the meaning we are truly seeking. If only we would embrace our true identity in God and enter into relationship with him. Beloved, I've mentioned before that in my Protestant years, I was a women's jail chaplain for over 10 years. And the inmates would come to me um, just bruised and beaten up and some of them um, lesbians and homosexuals and um, um, if they weren't uh, such when they came into the jail, they were when they left. And, uh, and I said to them, what you long for is what God wants. You long to be loved. You long to love and you long to be loved. That's all from God. What is illegitimate and will only bring you to despair is finding love in the ways God has not intended it because it will not fill you. It will not fulfill you. We cannot, Bishop Strickland says, and do not create our own identity. Our identity comes from our creator alone. The Catechism of the Catholic Church provides us a beautiful quotation from St. Catherine of Siena, 
which gives us a glimpse of our identity in God's eyes. St. Catherine writes, quote, What made you establish man in so great a dignity? Certainly the incalculable love by which you have looked on your creature in yourself. You are taken with love for her, for by love indeed you created her. By love you have given her a being capable of tasting your eternal good. We may see many agendas in the world today that relate to human identity, in particular sexual identity. One that is very much before our eyes in this time is the LGBTQ agenda. As I stated in my pastoral letter, Bishop Strickland says from September 12th, quote, the church teaches that those who experience feelings of same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria do not sin simply because they have such feelings. But freely acting upon these feelings is sinful and not in accordance with God's design for his children. And I can hear some saying, yeah, but what about um, people who who are not dysphoric, people who um, are not confused with their gender, people who are um, a man who is interested in a woman and a woman a man, uh, they don't have to suffer like we do. Oh, yes, because they're not free to live out their emotions and their passions either outside of God's design for his children, which is a legitimate sacramental marriage. Bishop Strickland continues, prior to his election as Pope Benedict XVI, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger wrote, quote, in Genesis 3, we find that this truth about persons being an image of God has been obscured by original sin. There inevitably follows a loss of awareness of the covenantal character of the union these people had with God and with each other. The human body retains its spousal significance, but this is now clouded by sin. Thus, in Genesis 19, the first 11 verses, the deterioration due to sin continues in the story of the men of Sodom. There can be no doubt of the moral judgment made there against homosexual relations. Cardinal Ratzinger continued, to choose someone of the same sex for one's sexual activities is to annul the rich symbolism and meaning, not to mention the goals of the creator's sexual design. Homosexual activity is not a complementary union able to transmit life, and so it thwarts the call to a life of that form of self-giving, which the gospel says is the essence of Christian living. This does not mean that homosexual persons are not often generous and giving of themselves, but when they engage in homosexual activity, they conform within themselves a they confirm within themselves a disordered sexual inclination, which is essentially self-indulgent. End quote. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be Back to continue this um, uh, letter from Bishop Strickland uh, up until our half hour when we'll take your calls and your emails for the entire um, second half hour. We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the 10 most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Excuse me. Welcome back, dear ones. Mother Miriam live. I am live. I am she. We are together on the program. Our equipment is working and I'm so thrilled. And we are um, just maybe a third of the way down Bishop Joseph Strickland's uh, latest letter that he wrote. Uh, he uh, came out with two days ago on the synod on synodality and the confusion that uh, exists between um, uh, personal identity. He says, um, we must be loving but clear, therefore, that those who carry the burden of same-sex attraction must not act upon these inclinations because such activities are contrary to the biological and God-given identity of the individual and therefore contrary to the will of God in all cases. We, as their clergy, family, and friends, must surround these individuals with love and support so that they may embrace their crosses and live out their authentic God-given identity. The transgender movement is another face of the LGBTQ agenda, and it is also at odds with the Catholic understanding of the human being. This movement seeks to fundamentally alter the way our world views the biological and God-given identity of each person, 
a rapidly increasing number of young people are being caught up in the transgender movement in these times rather than being told the truth of who they are as a beloved child of God. We can certainly acknowledge that there are complex reasons why a person may have feelings of gender dysphoria, but it is important for each person to understand that regardless of feelings, a person's biological identity is given by God. And it is unchangeable by man. Parents should not be afraid to address the falsehood of gender ideology with their children in an age-appropriate manner. And parents should also reinforce the fact that although hormones and surgeries might change one's appearance, those medical procedures cannot change the sex of even one cell of the body. Many who support the agenda of transgenderism would state that when a biological male identifies as a female and has gender reassignment, this is in actuality a gender confirmation, as his anatomy now reflects his true gender. But the Catechism states that the unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body. That is, it is because of its spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body. Spirit and matter in man are not two natures united, but they're rather their union forms a single nature. And also, again, these are straight from the Catechism, man and woman have been created, which is to say willed by God, on the one hand, in perfect equality as human persons, and on the other, in their respective beings as man and woman. Being man or being woman is a reality which is good and willed by God. Therefore, transition surgeries or elective medical treatment given for the purpose of attempting to transition a person to a gender other than his or her God-given biological sex are gravely evil. Bishop has a note here. He says there are rare medical cases of intersex individuals who have been born with an unclear biological sex or both male and female characteristics. These cases are beyond the scope of this pastoral letter and should be addressed with your pastor and medical team. But that is extremely rare. It is important to note here that we must always, always treat all people with respect, compassion, and recognition of their intrinsic dignity. Therefore, men and women with homosexual tendencies or with gender dysphoria must be treated with love and compassion and should always be respected as the precious children of God that they are. This includes telling them the truth in charity. we don't love anyone, beloved. We don't respect anyone if we let them live in a lie. Bishop Strickland says, all of this brings us to the upcoming Synod on Synodality, which is emerging as an attempt by some to change the focus of Catholicism from eternal salvation of souls in Christ to making every person feel 
affirmed regardless of what choices they have made or will make in life. I'll tell you, beloved, no one who feels affirmed in such a disorder on earth will feel affirmed in, he- in hell. No one in hell will feel affirmed. And no one on earth loves anyone who allows them to live in such a disordered, sinful lifestyle. <clears throat> One of the topics that reportedly will be discussed during the Synod is the blessing of same-sex relationships. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, stated in July 2023, that's just last month, or two months ago, I should say, when asked about blessings for homosexual couples, he said this, quote, If a blessing is given in such a way that it does not cause that confusion, it will have to be analyzed and confirmed, end quote. What he's saying is we have to um, um, take sin, uh, judge sin, to see if it's really sin. However, Bishop Strickland says, we must look to the perennial an unchanging teaching of the church. Such a blessing would not be licit, and therefore would be undoubtedly caused, would undoubtedly cause confusion. It would cause scandal. In fact, the very same office, the congregation, now dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, released a statement on March 15, 2021, entitled, um, Uh, responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith to a dubium regarding the blessing of the unions of persons of the same sex. In this responsum, the previous prefect of the Congregation, who is Louis Cardinal Laderia, stated that God, quote, does not and cannot bless sin, and that, for the above-mentioned reasons, the Church does not have and cannot have the power to bless unions of persons of the same sex in the sense intended above. End quote. Because truth cannot change, we must acknowledge
ones. Um, we have a piece of equipment here that just keeps cutting out. Uh, is this okay, James? Am I on the air, sound-wise? Okay, beautiful. Um, we just have to keep fixing this and finding out what's happening on our end, but James tells me the video is still up, and I'm simply going to speak through my phone and backtrack a paragraph on Bishop Strickland's letter. Um, Bishop says, all of this brings us to the upcoming Synod on Synodality, which is emerging <clears throat> as an attempt by some to change the focus of Catholicism from eternal salvation of souls in Christ to making every person feel affirmed, regardless of what choices they have made or will make in life. Beloved, I want to tell you that if you have part in making someone, anyone, you could be the Pope, you could be a Cardinal, you could be a layman, if you have part in affirming someone in their sin, uh, not only are you responsible for their going to hell, but you will end up there as well. You cannot send people to hell and wind up in heaven. Bishop Strickland says, one of the topics that reportedly will be discussed during the Senate is the blessing of same-sex relationships. Archbishop Victor Emmanuel Fernandez, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, stated two months ago in July, when asked about blessings for homosexual couples, quote, if a blessing is given in such a way that it does not cause that confusion, it will have to be analyzed and confirmed, end quote. That's gobbledygook. What do you mean it doesn't cause that confusion? You're blessing sin. What kind of, conf what, what more do you need to cause confusion? Bishop Strickland continues, however, we must look to the perennial and unchanging teaching of the church. Such a blessing would not be listed and therefore would undoubtedly cause confusion. In fact, the very same office, the congregation now dicastery for the doctrine of the faith released a statement in March of 2021 entitled Responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith to a Dubium regarding the blessing of the unions of persons of the same sex. And in this response, the previous prefect of the congregation, Louis Cardinal Ladaria, stated, quote, God does not and cannot bless sin, and that for the above-mentioned reasons, the church does not have and cannot have the power to bless unions of persons of the same sex in the same, in the sense intended above, end quote. Because truth cannot change, we must acknowledge that the dicastery cannot come to a different conclusion now which would overturn the original statement from the same office. Okay. Truth is based on God's divine word as revealed in sacred scripture and sacred tradition and is guarded by the magisterium. Beloved, um, we'll be right back after the break. For you. Ask a Priest Live, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. We'll bring you a different priest each weekday where you can participate in a live Q&A on the topics that matter. To get your question in for Father, call one 877 511-5483 while the show is live. Email us anytime at priests at thestationofthecross.com or visit our show page at thestationofthecross.com slash askapriest.
please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O dear protector, St. Anthony, on this day we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. Amen. sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are here and we are live, but I'm going to do this by my phone. Um, Our sound uh, equipment keeps going out, but we are here for the entire half hour. Our phone lines are open. I love hearing from you with anything whatsoever on your heart. And the toll-free number to call in is 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, can you please explain the processes for selecting bishops also? How are popes elected? Um, Okay, hold on now. Um, This is uh, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, a very short summary on each. And in the case of Bishops, the ultimate decision of appointing bishops rests with the Pope, and he can select anyone he chooses. But the process of selecting candidates for the episcopacy, the office of bishop, it begins at the diocesan level and works its way through a series of consultations until it reaches. So, um, the, the current bishop, let's say, of a particular diocese, uh, will consult with all the priests and uh, They'll all make recommendations, perhaps, and then those recommendations will be forwarded to Rome and just continue to be narrowed down until a a bishop is is chosen. Um, In the case of a pope, uh, the cardinals vote for a pope, only the cardinals, and it's by a secret ballot uh, processing one by one up to Michelangelo. They do it in the uh, um, Sistine Chapel, and they possess one by one up to Michelangelo's fresco of the Last Judgment, saying a prayer and dropping the twice-folded ballot in a large chalice. Four rounds of balloting are taken every day 
until a candidate receives two-thirds of the vote. And again, it's only by cardinals. Okay, now, um, we have an email from Monty who says, Mother Miriam, I hope this finds you well. Thank you, Monty. I've watched many of your videos and talks on YouTube, and I am also a Jewish convert to Catholicism. Puzzle tough. Oh, Monty, that's wonderful. Sometimes, he says, I feel as though converting is a rejection of my family and my family's history, which is obviously not something I desire to do. I value tradition and attend the traditional Latin Mass, but it can feel as though I am following a tradition that is not mine because I am the first in my line to do so as far as I know. Our Lord says that in order to follow him, we must hate our mother and father, and I have no doubt this is true, properly understood, of course, and let me just add to that. Our Lord says, hate your mother and father and sister brother. What he's saying is we must put God above all that. And he says, but occasionally I have a bit of a hard time reconciling my Christian faith with Jewish ancestry when my grandmother says my ancestors would be rolling in their graves looking at me. Can you relate to any of this? Is it something that sometimes is something that sometimes bothers my conscience? Monty, I relate to every syllable you've written, and most Jewish converts do. When Jesus came and the disciples, all Jewish, every one of them Jewish, and they recognized Jesus not only as the long-awaited Messiah, the appointed Redeemer, but as God, the Son of God and God the Son. And they were a remnant. And the other Jews uh, martyred. They were martyred. They were martyred by the Jews who called them traitors to the faith and betrayers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there there, there were, with, with, again, you know, from, from the Jewish, from the temple to, to the only acceptable sacrifice in the Mass. So it's very, very painful because there's a connection. We are God's people. We are one. The Jewish people are the only people on the face of the earth that God has called our people. And so to be separated from them in any way, but especially in the worship of God, is a, a awful tearing of the heart. It's, it's very, very painful. But those of us, including yourself, Monty, who have converted, meaning who have received the Jewish Messiah and all his promises of Abraham, we have chosen the truth above our family ties and feelings. Um, to say that all our ancestors would be rolling over in their graves looking at you. Um, my mother has used that expression since we're little children. Anytime we would do something wrong or questionable, uh, so-and-so would be rolling over in her grave. It's just a very Jewish way to say that's how bad it is. Uh, but um, if we deny the Messiah, if we go back for the sense of emotions and comfort, and traditions and acceptance and recognition by our people, we are betraying God, the God who did fulfill his promises in setting the Messiah. So, Monty, especially because you're number one, you're the first in your family to do this, it's extremely painful. I understand it, but God has chosen you and poured his grace upon you. And please, God, through your life of faith, 
and patience and love to your family, he will lead others also to the Messiah. Um, if you haven't read, I, I would recommend two books to you, but both by Roy Shulman. One is Honey from the Rock, 16 Jews who have come into the Catholic Church believing it's not the rejection but the fulfillment of their faith. And the other one is Salvation is from the Jews, Salvation History from Abraham to the Second Coming. A third recommendation I would make is my brother's association of Hebrew Catholics. David, my brother, heads up the association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world. He's headquartered in St. Louis, and the website is HebrewCatholic.net. So, Monty, don't be guilty about your feelings. Uh, many of us live with them. It's very, very painful. But to, um, to deny Christ and go back uh, is not an option. As Peter, the Jewish Peter, our first Jewish Pope said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Okay. We have an email from Rose. And Rose says, good day, Mother. My husband passed away last year. No priest or deacon could be at the burial of my husband. Though he did have a Catholic funeral mass, should the grave be blessed? I don't know how to decide for that, Rose. No priest or deacon could be at the burial of my husband. Oh, he did have a Catholic funeral mass, but the priest or deacon could not come out to the burial. Should the grave be blessed? Well, I don't know that canonically. I would certainly say yes. Bring the priest out there now. I don't know why knowing to be at the burial site. But I would bring him out now, uh, after the fact, and do it. I, 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 you could look it up in canon law. I don't know the answer, but if it were me, I would bring the, the priest out there and let him continue um, with the, what part of that mass and burial was omitted. I would. It, it will not uh, make a difference to your husband's soul and eternity. Um, that's already determined prior to our death. But proper um, sacramentals and Catholic ceremonies are, are, um, should be carried out. I, I can't say more than that. We have an email from Kate. Kate says, Mother, I attend a parish named Immaculate Conception. We recently built a new church, which has, a, which has an altar and a crucifix that hangs well above it. There is also a lovely statue of Our Lady holding the child Jesus off to the right. Recently, our pastor also installed a large painting of Mary on the back wall behind the altar, and I was upset since I think the altar area should remain wholly dedicated to Christ and not give the impression that we are directing worship to Mary. I feel this setup could also reinforce the Protestant accusation that Catholics worship Mary. I am so upset that I may leave this parish over this, but I don't want to overreact. What should I do? My dear Kate, I think you are overreacting. Don't worry about Protestants. If we try to cater to them, they'll never become Catholic. They'll never become Catholic. Your church is named the Immaculate Conception, and there is nothing wrong 
with and everything right with putting image of the Immaculate Conception, um, who is Mary, uh, who was immaculately conceived from her mother Anne, above her son. Without Mary's Immaculate Conception, she would not have given birth to Jesus, who needed to be conceived in an immaculate womb, because he's God. So, Kate, um, don't worry about Protestants. You be fully Catholic and never be ashamed. Apostle Paul says to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation um, to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So if you have Protestants in your church and say your people worship Mary, say to them, where do you get that information? Well, you got a picture of her. Well, do you have a picture of your mother in your home or she's deceased? Do you worship her? No. No. She is the mother of God, and she needs uh, uh, no problem with giving her that place in the church, especially above the altar of her son. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, do you believe that homosexuals are born homosexual, or do you think that's an acquired mindset slash behavior? Well, I, I've never believed that um, homosexuals are born homosexuals. I've never believed that a child is born. Uh, we are born into original sin, and we do inherit the sins of our parents and the generation, the sins of one generation upon another. Um, and so um, can sin be carried from one generation to another? Uh, I believe so, but to be homosexual, to say that I am um, a man and a partner for a man, absolutely not. That I am a distorted and I could never be a healthy man, absolutely not. That I need to be rearranged physically, absolutely not. Um, uh, no, I think that there are a number of people who become homosexual the way. And it may be in their childhood even, uh, from the behavior of their dad, the overbearing of their mom, uh, influences all kinds of things. Uh, and, not, and the parents treating them as young men from three years old on. Uh, it could be, I don't know. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons why men uh, become homosexual and feel homosexual. But, there's, but it's not God's design, that we know. And even if it's the result of inherited sin, we all have inherited sin, all of us, all of us. And many of us who are not homosexual have attraction for the same sex, and it scares many people, women, who have attraction for the same sex, and it scares them. Uh, men, same thing, and it scares them. What am I supposed to do about that? And we say, don't focus on your feelings. We are fallen, and there's many abnormalities in all of us. We need to get good spiritual direction, good catechesis, good healthy growth in our Catholic life, and, um, and God will bless us um, and uh, help us to live out a fully Catholic, holy life. Um, so, Anonymous, I think some of it 
maybe most of it is acquired. Um, but again, the tendency is there. And uh, from what it could be many, many sources uh, and many ways that children are raised or neglected to be raised. But there's no excuse for our not honoring God and loving him and following him above all things and not giving in to sin. Join one million volunteers worldwide and help end abortion where you live by participating in the September 27th to November 5th, 40 Days for Life Vigil. Let God use you to save a life. Change the heart of an abortion worker and close your local abortion facility. Visit 40daysforlife.com and sign up to pray. Now is the time to be part of the beginning of the end of abortion. One man, one woman, for life, for children, for each other, and it's a sacrament. All that you need to fulfill these obligations, these duties of the married state, are in the sacrament of marriage. It does not matter how difficult a particular marriage is. God will give you the grace to be faithful to the vows that you made to your spouse at his altar. The devil knows this, and he uses it every day. He makes people forget the great power and efficacy of the sacrament of marriage. I am utterly shocked at the number of Catholic couples, married couples, devout Catholics, been married for many years, who do not pray together as husband and wife. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment. And we have 10 minutes, and our lines are wide open. Um, you are absolutely welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Janet Our Sunday visitor quoted Blessed Pope John Twenty-Third from an encyclical as stating that among the rights to belong to every person is the freedom to form a family. Given the church's stance on the saints on same-sex and other non-biblical family structures with which I am in full agreement, does Pope John's statement give tacit license that anyone could adopt in order to form, that anyone could adopt in order to form a family? In other words, is the expression form of family in this context 
too vague. It is not. Absolutely not too vague. Pope um, John the Twenty Third um, um, wrote that uh, when he was visiting young men who have left the priesthood, and um, he told them that um, they went on. They could. They left the priesthood and went on to leave the presbytery and to form a family. In that day. In Pope John the Twenty Third's letter, there's no way that he would have referred to a family as anything other than a man and woman with children. That's it. And Janet, I confess by your sentence, you say, um, given the church's stance on same-sex unions and other non-biblical family structures, the church's stance on same-sex unions and non-biblical family structures is that they are not a family, is that they are sinful. There's no family, no legitimate family that the church teaches, that that recognizes, other than one formed by a man and a woman with the intent to procreate, to have children, uh, open to life. Now, you can talk about um, orphans for more and orphanages and communities that have gotten together, uh, the large community comes to mind, and they form a family. But it's not a legitimate family of a father, mother, and children, which is what Pope John the Twenty Third was referring to. So we have in our day of um, the breakdown of the family and of uh, loneliness and of all kinds of uh, awful situations. We try to form families um, of, uh, which is to say, people that get together for to to support and love one another. That's and they call themselves a family, but Pope John the Twenty Third referred to a legitimate family, and the Church legitimizes nothing but the union of one man and one woman, open to life. We have an email from Elizabeth who says, I'll ask my question up front. How can I best move through the downturns that seem to keep coming at me over the last five to seven years? I've lost my mother, sister, a year and a half ago, lost my husband, oh my goodness, and five months ago lost my brother. Oh, Elizabeth, things seem continually to be coming at me to handle or go wrong. I've prayed on it, but I have found I'm not even going to church in person as much as I was. I'm feeling very defeated, yet people around me keep saying how strong I am, but I'm feeling everything but that. Elizabeth, um, you have gone through uh, an unusual uh, barrage of incredible loss and suffering. There's no issue with that. But I say often, Nothing touches us that God doesn't allow. I had one moment in my life when I was hoping to begin the founding of this community where I had lost the deepest, that which I loved most in my life, the person I loved most in my life. Uh, It was the last thing I was, I had nothing else. I lost everything and everyone. And I felt like I was going to have a breakdown. I haven't had a breakdown, but I thought 
all you have to do is blow on me and I'll go over. Or I'll have a breakdown. I, I knew that. I said to God, don't let this happen because I'll have a breakdown. Well, he did let it happen. And I was utterly devastated. But I didn't have a breakdown. I talked to God and I said, Lord, I have no one or nothing else left in life that is that I truly, truly love. Lifelines, that sort of thing. You must want me all to yourself. There's no personal. I've never, I don't think I've ever shared this over the year, Elizabeth. Um, but that's what I said, Lord. You must want me all to yourself. And I, the loss of it, I'll live with the rest of my life. But I don't regret how close God drew me to himself. Absolutely. And the trust that I have in him. And the confidence I have in him. And the happiness I have that he would want such a one as me drawn close to himself. And so um, that's my story, Elizabeth. And I know that nothing touches us that God does not allow. And so um, I, um, I would say for you to take the same course uh, that um, say to God, I've lost my mother, my sister, my husband, and my brother. You must want me all to yourself, dear Lord, for some very, very special mission. Um, and ask him what it is. He would not cause you to suffer like that unless he would send you to help save many, many souls and enter into the suffering of your Savior and help others do the same, Elizabeth. So you might be strong, but you're not too strong if you're not going to church. If you're Catholic, you must not miss Mass. You must not stop going to church. Now, you haven't said you're Catholic. You said, I'm not even going to church. I've, I've found I'm not even going to church um, in person as much as I was. Well, there's no way to go to church but in person. TV doesn't do it. And if you're Catholic, you're committing mortal sin if you willfully stay away on Sunday. So you must go back to church um, and uh, ask God why he's allowed all this for you and be confident that he has at this hour of your life a very, very special mission for you to reach out to many souls who may not be in heaven apart from the suffering God has allowed you. Okay. Um, we have a comment from Irma. Uh, we're, we're near the end of the program. Let me just try it. A woman in the communion line, Irma says, hello, mother. A woman in the communion line uh, requested a Eucharist to take with her. I'm assuming for a family member unable to attend Mass. After a brief, to brief talk with the priest, he gave her one, and she placed it in a receptacle she was holding. I have a problem with this. I don't think a priest should distribute the Eucharist in this manner. Who knows where this Eucharist will end up? What are your thoughts, Mother? Well, I agree with you, Irma. I don't think it's proper. I don't think it should be done. But here's a case again where the church allows it. Um, I grieve at these things, but the church allows it. And I've seen many so-called uh, Eucharistic ministers, extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, be extraordinary persons. I've seen such men and women put them in their little picks, put the host, stand in the parking lot, talking with people, go back to their seat in church, and everyone around them should be bowing. 
before the Eucharist around that person's neck. So I'm not for it at all. Um, but again, uh, the church uh, allows it. So this is the uh, dichotomy. This is the grave situation we're in today. Um, God bless all of you. There's our closing music. And God willing, dear ones, we'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.